Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big, juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. This morning on the third hour of today in our series, The Upside, we are headed to the Urban Cowgirl Ranch, bringing hope on horseback. You are not a real cowboy or cowgirl until you have fallen off of a horse. Then we're going on the job with some federal agents who are smart, fierce, and always up for a treat. Oh, good boy. You're so good. We'll introduce you to the Beagle Brigade and the soothing power of sound. I'm soaking up some calm at a sound bath. Hear all about my meditative journey on this Wellness Wednesday, December 28th, 2022. From Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza, this is the third hour of today. So, what a special day. Yeah. Craig's singing along to the song. Yeah, well, normally Craig imitates Al. This is the third hour. Today he was like, <laughs> that story you did on the sound bath ago. Exactly. It got stuck in his head. <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to the third hour of today. I'm Dylan alongside Chanel and Craig, our yes. special music man here. <laughs> um, Al is off today. Thank you for joining us for a great edition of yeah. the show. It's going to be a good it's, show. It's like a best of yeah, show. It is. We always love to be able to, you know, kind of recap some of the stories, give you some updates of our favorites. on some of them. Yeah. Um, but first, before yeah. we get to that, we have like a best of 2022 thing. Oh, time for those. And, you know, a list okay. of the 100 best albums okay. of Rolling Tom. Stones put this together. Okay. Uh, so let's start with music. Um, what albums from this year did you have on repeat, I guess is the question. Well, here are the top five best albums of 2022. Wow. Beyonce, Renaissance, yep. Bad Bunny. Mm-hmm. You want to say it? Bad. Un verano sin ti. I thought yeah. you meant Bad Bunny. I was no. like, you just <laughs> like Bad Taylor Bunny. Taylor Swift's Midnights, which I'm surprised is third. Right? Yeah, I'm actually yeah, surprised yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, with the way the whole hullabaloo. Rosalia, mm-hmm. Motomami, mm-hmm. and Harry Styles, Harry's Harry's House. But no, when they say the five best, is this in this in the opinion of the editors at Rolling Stone? Yeah, I think or so. Is this based on sales? Okay. Maybe a little bit of both. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I but think I agree. Editors of Rolling Stone. Both I've were. only listened to, to three of those, so I, ca- I can't speak until well, Bad so Bunny is huge. I listen to Beyonce Renaissance in the morning. I'm um, so bad. I don't think I've heard any of it. You've heard of Harry's House. Harry's, Harry's, Harry's House. Yeah. 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 He was a delight. He was a highlight of the year yeah, here at the was, show. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Especially, he showed up rocking that onesie. The remember one? that? Oh, that's oh, yeah. right. I forgot I about the onesie. Oh, I'll never forget the onesie. I love it because he's a performer. Like, yeah. he, you know, he puts it all out there. Yeah. Um, okay. Some of the most captivating television shows. Ooh, let's um, see. And a writer for The New Yorker shared her top five favorites. Okay. The Good Fight. Yep. Hacks, mm-hmm. Mo. Mm-hmm. Oh, I haven't seen any of these. My brilliant friend, HBO, and the patient. Shoot. You know, I've Hacks, I have not seen a single one of those. Hacks, you would love. Jean Smart. I watched that one. That's a great show. Mm-hmm. And she plays this. I don't want to give away too much, but she's like a comedian who's in the later stages of her career. Mm-hmm. That's and she's, cool. Yeah, um, I've seen that one. Bring okay. the list back up, guys. Let me see. Yeah, that. I'm like the Good you, Fight. The Good Fight. No, Mo. Nope. What do you watch? My brilliant friend. Like this. I'm watching The White Lotus. Yeah, it was so good. Now, um, but you love that show, still, The Outlander, too. Uh, 
We had Sam Hewen on not that long ago. Yeah, I know big you're a big, big fan of that show. Sure so is. is. my sister-in-law, so mm-hmm. we, we reminisced about that. Um, but I'm also, like, Peaky Blinders, I'm still not caught up on Peaky Blinders, Ozark, The Crown. Like, you haven't got caught up? No. You have three kids. Because I haven't had time. Haven't had time. So, and Brian doesn't get home until I'm, like, right about to go to bed. Yeah, so true. we, like, <laughs> it's so rare that I get a moment like that where I just lay on the couch and everybody knows, leave mommy alone, I want to watch <laughs> something. And we were watching The White Lotus the other day, or I was watching it by myself. And my son comes in and says, he's mm. like, are you watching the Kardashians? <laughs> and I'm like, that was like seven years ago. Where I mean, not that I don't watch it now. I mean, I have it. But it was like, couch? yeah, it used to be like my binge, <laughs> yeah. like back when, you know what I mean? But that's how long it's been. Yeah. And then I was surprised that at 10, he remembers that because he that's was only like four. Mommy yeah. watch. Was watching Should we play a little game? All right. Yeah. Okay. This is called This or That. It's our New Year's edition. Oh. Okay. Okay. Which so do we prefer? This or that, yes. Okay. Staying in or going out on New Year's Eve? Staying in. Me too. No, I want to go out. I know you want to go out. <laughs> you love going out. She does. Like, you love evening events. An you evening do. event is my nightmare. She likes really? to get dressed up. I think it's fun. It is. As long as, I, as long as I can go and I don't have to do anything. Like, don't ask me to be a keynote speaker, please. <laughs> right. Like, I don't want to do anything. But well, if what I just about, show like, up? A, a hangover the next morning? Oh, I don't, I'm not crazy. I pointed to my <laughs> water as if I'm crazy. We've seen you. <laughs> my new favorite thing. Uh-huh. Grapefruit margaritas. Oh, really? Yeah, you don't have to go it's crazy. Lovely. It's not too sweet. It sounds kind of healthy. One. Is that good for your I voice? feel like, I don't know, but I feel like it's burning fat and stuff. <laughs> I don't oh, speaking think. of that, yeah. in 2023, what's going to be your oh, slogan? Oh, I've got it. It's not time to announce it yet. Okay. I'm ready. I'm going to have, I have to have like a whiteboard. When what I was it in 2022 again? I Watch what I'm going to do in 2022. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing I've done in 2021. <laughs> <laughs> that that may be the funniest thing you've said. And where was that? Wait, wait. You've been saying that for a year? <laughs> that was hilarious. That was hilarious. So when are you going to reveal it? On the show next week? Whenever we do it as a team. Let's do it on you January. You can't plan. You're not a producer. Let's do it January 3rd. I think we're all back. Okay. January 3rd, Chanel Jones is going to sure. unveil oh, yeah. her 2023 That's mantra, right. folks. That's, it's every, but you, this, do you not have a mantra? I do not. No. Do you not. No. But I think it helps to set an intention for the year. Because now, you know, I feel like I'm almost out of time. At the end of the year when you don't do it, don't you feel like you Oh, failed? already. I'm like, oh, what am I going to do? I said, what's what I'm going to do? I got to do something. I got how many days left? What's today? <laughs> Shoot. You are running. You're out of time. I'm ru- no, not yet. You're out of time. <laughs> you don't know what I'm going to do yet. Okay. I don't uh, know what I'm saying. Do like I'm. Uh, what's the rest of this okay, game? Okay, sorry. Dressing up in cocktail attire or staying in your PJs? PJs. PJs. Cocktail attire for you? I kind of like it. Of course you do. Yeah. Jill Martin's sweatsuit, like sweatpants outfits yeah. that have the Today Show logo on. It's my, it's all I wear. Like your go-to. I can't get into those fast enough. They're quite delightful. They're soft. Yes. They're yeah. just soft. All right, um, one. Going to a party or throwing a party? Definitely going. I'd rather throw a party. So would I. Yeah, you guys are throwers. I would, like to, I would like to throw a party. Yeah, no, I'm coming. Because when you throw the party, you can control, control it. more yeah. of That's the, true. It's, the... I do get anxiety when I host a party. Yeah. Like, I get, like, a stomach ache and, you know, yeah. just... social anxiety. But I get that when I go to a party anyway, so. <laughs> Tell you, man, you are a bit a of a hot mess. Yeah. I'm like, she's like, I love throwing a party. And then I get sweaty and clammy and my stomach hurts. It's so great. I get to cook and make plates and put post in those oh, all the plates. Here's what else she'll do. She'll complain about it at work, before, and after the party. Sorry, you're proud of yourself, aren't you? Yeah, we are. <laughs> 
True. But I've got plates, I've got post-it notes on each plate. And can then you I, believe they had shit in RSVP? Uh, and I, I said that two weeks ago. But I can cut up the appetizers, they're in the freezer. <laughs> I'm going to let, I'm going to let social media hate on you guys for being mean to me. I'm doing that being mean. If it's true, it's not mean. They're going to defend me. If it's true, it's not mean. You started They're going to say, why do you guys pick on Dylan so much? You, you started it. You. You're like, I love to host. I do like to host. But I get sweaty. But I do get anxiety. Okay. What else is left in the game? So, this next topic. No, we're done with the game. Um, <laughs> why you, you kill the game? Who are the people that you should keep closest to you? And your, uh, your, so, your spouse. So, is that really a question? Well, according to a USA Today article, not all company is good company. <laughs> so, the outlet suggests that there are six types of people we should prioritize spending our time with. Ooh, people six people. Who tell the truth. Yes. Encourage. That's us. And support us. Oh, That's God, us. you're talking make, about your friends here. Make space for our emotions. <laughs> feel like you guys are poo-pooing on my emotions. <laughs> Model qualities we admire. Understand and accepts us for who we are. Yeah, we do. <laughs> we love you. We do. You know we love you. Come and here. Bring, come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. Thank you. Thanks, guys. You needed that. Thank you. All right. The the sixth quality was showing authenticity. I will say you guys are very authentic. Like it or not. Yes. For good and for bad sometimes. (laughs) Uh, We have a lot more ahead on this edition of the third hour of today. Perhaps our last edition of the third hour of today. Uh, Including the the small, yes, ago in a small Texas city where the fight against Alzheimer's is taking center stage. How one doctor is stepping up to help in a big way there. And then later, meditation and relaxation. Watch what she going to do. In <laughs> I didn't say she going to do. I didn't, Chanel, you didn't. Jones, <laughs> Chanel Jones went to a sound bath, y'all. That's right. What? Well, where where are this we? Wednesday, you're from y'all, here. what we going to do? Like, what? Third hour of today, right back after this. He's authentic. <laughs> oh, When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash today. Just go to Indeed.com slash today right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash today. Conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Back now with a story of one doctor's fight against Alzheimer's in an unexpected place. According to the Alzheimer's Foundation, one very small Texas border town has the highest incidences of the disease of anywhere in the nation. NBC's Richard Louie traveled to Rio Grande City to find out what's happening and meet the doctor leading the charge in his hometown. There isn't a single one of us that works here that doesn't know somebody personally that's been affected by this. Dr. James Falcone served three tours of duty as an army physician in Afghanistan and Syria, but he never dreamed his biggest battle would be in his small hometown at the U.S.-Mexico border. We were born and raised here in Rio Grande City. When you hear something that says the, the 
town that you grew up in also has the highest rate of dementia and Alzheimer's, what's your emotional response to that? Yeah, you never want to be at the top of a list like that. Um, for a while growing up, we were the poorest county in the country, but that's the reality of where we live. With a population of 66,000, Star County, Texas is nearly 98% Hispanic. When did you personally go, there's something a little bit different here? Working here in the clinic, there isn't a day that goes by that we don't see somebody with some kind of memory loss. Um, a lot of people are early in the course of their disease, but you see some pretty advanced um, patients. The Alzheimer's Association estimates 10.7% or one out of nine people aged 65 or older suffer from the disease nationally. But in Starr County, that number is 25%, where one out of four people are suffering from Alzheimer's or dementia. The issue has just been trying to prepare family members for what's down the road. Many caregivers like Manny Signs take care of loved ones at home. There is not a whole lot that therapeutically that we can do right now. After his military service, Dr. Falcone returned home to Rio Grande City to work with his father, Dr. Antonio Falcone, whose primary care clinic has been treating patients for 40 years. Repeat those words back to me. Apple penny table. Last year, the doctors Falcone opened Alfaro Health and Therapeutics, a research clinic that is their ground zero in the fight against Alzheimer's here. They are leading the charge with Dr. Rhoda O, oh, a director at the Davos Alzheimer's Collaborative, to try to answer why this is happening. We're talking about things like diet, sleep, physical activity, alcohol consumption. Are there ways in which this community is engaging in these higher risk activities related to Alzheimer's disease? Dr. Oh says that up to this point, most Alzheimer's research and clinical trials have not been inclusive, even though Hispanic Americans are 1.5 times more likely than whites to have dementia. When the opportunity presented itself to start this clinic, it seemed like a no-brainer to me because there isn't a single clinical research site basically south of San Antonio for Alzheimer's specifically. Any, uh, any changes since the last time we, we got together? At Alfaro, long-term research data will be analyzed from parents, grandparents, and grandchildren with existing health information, a smartphone app, and blood. How impactful is this? I think it's game-changing. I think that we're finally on to a path in which we can start doing research that's going to include everybody uh, in a way that we haven't before. And I think it's going to revolutionize what we think we know. Nurse practitioner Jessica Cantu is the site director at Alfaro. What is the year? She says her mission is now personal after losing her father to Alzheimer's last year. This is important for us as a community, for us as Hispanics, to be able to get into research. We need our, our biomarkers in there to be part of this. And for Dr. Falcone, this fight has just begun. So the same heart and brain that drove you to enlist is why you're doing what you're doing today. Yep, it's another opportunity to serve people that, that are in need. So the research program began just a few weeks ago. The El Faro Clinic says they saw a huge uptick in people who wanted to take part after our story first aired back in September. Oh, that's so fantastic. good. That's fantastic. All right, still to come on this Wellness Wednesday, 
the soothing power of sound. Hear all about my trip to a sound bathroom. I was not. I look at me. I, I was can't, out. I can't. And you'll see why so many people are finding are you, are calm Are you snoring there. or drooling? No, I was just still. <laughs> I look like I I'm not alive. There. And later, our series on the job is going to the dogs. We're going to introduce you to this elite group of federal agents. We'll be right back. Getting ready for the new year means it's time for those resolutions. And for some, it could be the perfect time to focus on yourself and find some inner zen. So one way to do that, a sound bath. I tried it out earlier this year for the first time. And this method of deep relaxation had a profound impact on me. The melodies of the singing bowls and the vibrations of the gong echo through the halls of the Ohm Center on the Upper East Side of Manhattan, where I tried a sound bath for the first time. So let's start with the basics. What is a sound bath? A sound bath is where you are experiencing the being bathed by all the sounds that are created from different kinds of instruments. The goal is to help you enter into a deep state of relaxation. Sound baths are a gateway into deeper meditation. Suzanne Hill, founder of the Ohm Center and my guide for the sound bath, began meditating on her own at 17 after years of working as an acupuncturist and encouraging her patients to try meditation. She began teaching herself and opened this space in 2019. What difference are you seeing in, in the people who you help? They are so much more relaxed. They seem much, much lighter, like the burdens of the world are lifted. Even if nothing has shifted in the external world internally, mm -hmm. they've cleansed and so they feel better. Since this story is about trying a sound bath, what should the takeaway be for people who are interested? Not to be intimidated by it. It doesn't have to be a spiritual or religious experience. You're just having a relaxation experience. And before long, it was my time to try and rest. I am not quite sure what to expect. I'm going to try. I don't want to fall asleep, which I can do pretty easily these days. But also I'm looking forward to feeling something that I haven't felt before. You know, I've meditated before with calm, but I've never done a sound bath. So I, my heart is open to receive. I'm going to have you lie down. Once I entered the room, Here, Suzanne handed me an eye mask and encouraged me to let go of the worries of the day. And just allow yourself to sink into the ground. Be aware of the ground supporting your body so there's no part of you that has to hold yourself up. Then she began playing, creating a symphony of sounds. Crystal bowls have a cooler sound, and the uh, alloy bowls have a warmer sound, and we like to mix them together. We also have a 40-inch symphonic gong, which is very grounding. When you play the gong, it's really about releasing any negativity. Singing bowls are more nurturing and nourishing. She transferred the bowls to my hands to feel the vibrations as she played. As the sound bath finished, I felt better, and that sense of calm reverberated through the rest of my day. That was really great. Yeah. That was great. It's like I was at a spa. 
music and sound is very healing, and I think that's why people are gravitating to sound baths now. They don't want to intellectually figure out how to feel better. They just want to experience feeling better. So it's called the Ohm Center, mm. and it's still offering sound baths and private groups. So you can do it by yourself, yeah. or you can be with a large group. Some people like to be in a group. I mean, you look like you were pretty comfortable. I allowed myself to go somewhere, I don't know. But then she won't let you sleep. Like they say, don't mm. fall asleep, but be. It's hard to do, though. It but is. You kind of go into a different state of, was great. of rest. It was a beautiful really experience. Cool. All right, coming up, horses helping build a more diverse community. We are going to take you to the Urban Cowgirl Ranch, opening up a whole new world. Then we'll meet the four-legged federal agents that are keeping us safe in the skies. We'll be right back. We're back with our series, The Upside. And today we're going to share the story of a, a very special ranch that's introducing a whole new farm world to kids from underserved communities. And it's a mission that sprang from one of the most powerful moments in our nation's history. Black Lives Matter protests were erupting daily during the spring of 2020. And it seems that people are more enraged by the destruction that happens than the loss of a life. So I said to myself, I'm gonna give them something to look at. That's when cameras captured 25-year-old Brianna Noble as she rode into a protest. You have to remember this image. She nobly rode atop her horse to downtown Oakland. And that image went viral. So I've tried since then to drive all of that attention to the work that we do here in our communities. As a child, Brianna loved horses and growing up as a competitive show jumper, she says there were many unspoken hurdles for equestrians of color. I remember being a little kid and wondering why, you know, I couldn't fit my helmet on and I didn't have the same hair as people and all of those things. And, you know, I'll never forget going to, to horse camp and, you know, meeting people that had actually never even seen a black person. Riding and caring for horses is also a costly barrier for kids in disadvantaged communities. Brianna worked as a vet tech to keep up with her expenses. It definitely made me want to create a space that was more welcoming, where horses are what's paid attention to and not so much where you're from, how much money you make, or your skin color. We created this space here where we are not the minority. Our whole barn is filled with, you know, every sort of color there is. So I'm really proud and excited to be able to change that scene. Initially, Urban Cowgirl Ranch started as an eight-week riding program. That became unsustainable very, very quickly. We had a wait list of over a thousand people. And many of the kids eager to visit were from the inner city, where just 15 miles are a world away from here. Okay, come on in. We have kids and adults out here that have never seen a chicken in their lives and never seen a horse in their lives outside of TV. Let's see about your helmet, girlfriend. The ranch quickly grew into a nonprofit foundation with several Oakland area community groups using the property and its animals. As a living classroom, in addition to abundant beginnings, the ranch's permanent preschool. Okay, ready, let's go. Erica Lila is a mom of three-year-old Zoe. It's a baby chicken. They're outside every single day um, and just really being able to connect with the land, being able to connect with themselves, and really appreciating the beauty of California. And for Brianna, the best teaching still comes straight from a horse's mouth. Horses are amazing. They're very honest creatures. They tell you a lot. 
most people just can't hear them. Awesome. Yeah, good job. Whoa, 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 whoa. We've got a kid down. You are not a real cowboy or cowgirl until you have fallen off of a horse. I love working with kids. High five. I love working with community and I love facilitating interactions between humans and animals. That's what I'm here and I'm meant to do. To help offset the enormous cost of feeding all 20 horses and the many farm animals, the ranch now sustainably makes its own hydroponic feed, which churns out 700 pounds a day from this tiny shed. Brianna hopes that even a class, a day, or a week spent here will leave a child riding higher than they ever could have hoped. It sparks an interest in the environment. It sparks an interest in the outdoors. So a big part of what we want to do here is showing them that there's a world outside of here. There's a world outside the city. There's jobs. The horses at the ranch, by the way, they often take their own field trips to the city for community events. And Brianna says that the plan is to keep expanding the nonprofit programs to advocacy groups, therapy and mental health providers, and schools for the arts. That's great. I know, it's so good. All right, turning now to another one of our series, On the Job. And today, it's bringing us to one of the world's busiest airports, Atlanta's Hartsfield Jackson International. NBC's Savannah Sellers got to meet a very special team of federal agents that are keeping us safe. So what we're talking about today is a bunch of federal officers, right? Yes. All right, it's time to meet Officer in Training Yeti. He's a good boy. Here at the USDA's National Dog Detector Training Center just outside of Atlanta, Yeti is hard at work to prove he's got what it takes to be a member of the Beagle Brigade. Good boy. What are all the things that he'd be searching for right now? So he's searching for apple, mango, citrus, beef, and pork. And then the dogs will expand once they get out to the field and they can add you know, 100, 150 odors. We're job, three for Yeti. three, right? Yes. <laughs> Why beagles? Why are they so good at this? Well, because they have everything they need to do this job. They've got an excellent nose. They can discriminate all kinds of odors that comes from being a hunting dog. They love their food, as most beagle owners would know. And they're very intelligent. They pick up the job quickly. And they also like working with their partner. It's not just beagles. The center trains bigger dogs like Labradors, too. While a beagle's small size makes it perfect to weave around bag claim, a Labrador's height helps it search a cargo plane more quickly. So these canine teams are sort of intercepting a problem that could ultimately go down the line and impact your dinner plate at home? Absolutely. Your pork, your beef, any fruits and vegetables, any seeds, any plants, trees, all of those things have pests that are in other countries but not yet here in America. And so if we can catch them at the border and keep them from getting established, that saves billions of dollars. This is Officer in Training Kingston, and he'll go through eight weeks of training here in Georgia. Yes. So other than him being a very good boy who loves hugs, how yes. did we know Kingston would be good at this job? So Kingston loves food more than he <laughs> loves the attention. He likes that this dog loves treats so he much. He loves treats so much that he'll do anything that he knows how to do to get that treat. Right. Find it, Kingston. Oh, good boy! You're so good! It's amazing with how much technology has advanced that one of the best ways to get this done is mm -hmm. with a dog and their snout. Absolutely. They're just so efficient at it. They've been obviously bred for years to use their nose, to have that instinct to find things. And so using our training methods, we're able to channel that into locating the objects of agriculture interest. And today, these very good officers made it to graduation.
Officer Waffle reporting for duty. <laughs> From there, the Beagles get deployed to international ports of entry across the country, like here at Atlanta's International Airport. The Beagles patrol the floor. If one smells something suspicious, it signals to the Customs and Border Protection agent who pulls the bag for extra screening. This pile here is everything that's been confiscated just in the past few hours. The Beagle can search thousands of bags. What it would take officers to do hours, Beagles can do it in mere seconds. The big find while we were there? A completely raw chicken. They're so cute and, and cuddly. They're perfect size to go in and out of people, in and out of luggage. And before you know, they're sitting at your feet and you're like, oh, and then you're like, no, you just got busted. <laughs> you guys are federal officers now. So most of these adorable little beagles, they serve about nine years and then they retire. Mm. The USDA says they are almost always adopted by their CBP oh, officer. That's nice. And when that doesn't happen, there's usually someone else who's fallen in love and will adopt them instead. That's, that's great. Sweet. That's what do they do in retirement? Like it just exactly. Each it all would want to do, I guess. Coming up in our <laughs> She Made It a Now Global Beauty Empire. And it all started with tens of thousands in credit card debt. We have the story of struggle and then success from the founder of Tarte Cosmetics. And then in our Food for Thought segment, when the sun sets, the fun begins. We'll visit the largest night market in the country that's bringing a taste of Asian culture to the U.S. Yum. We'll be right back. Back now with a she made it story of a well-known beauty mogul who, I mean, really started from nothing. Yeah, Maureen Kelly had no cosmetics experience, no business experience. She maxed out her credit cards and even had to employ friends to help package products by paying them in pizza. Seriously. But in the end, the driving force behind all of her success was herself. I had so many people tell me no along the way. And don't get me wrong, there were moments when I was definitely on my knees praying, but I made it. Maureen Kelly is the founder and CEO of the best-selling beauty brand, Tarte. And just like she says, she made it by being creative and scrappy. You've always been interested in makeup and beauty, right? Always, always, always since I was a little girl, I would take like red chalk into the bathtub and mix it with like shaving cream. And as I got older, I would make lip balms and bath bombs and things like that for friends and gift them. In 1999, at 23 years old, Maureen turned her one bedroom New York City apartment into a test kitchen, mixing all natural ingredients for products like her cheek stain. You have a degree in clinical psychology, no business degree, no beauty school. What gave you the guts and the idea that you could actually do this? I'm not honestly sure. Even though I was whipping up things in my house, I needed to make many more of them. And so I opened up the good old yellow pages and started looking for labs and chemists. And of course, no one really picked up the phone. So then I drove there. You know, you fake it till you make it. And I convinced a lab to work with me. So how did you finance this at the beginning? I put it on credit cards. I had a credit card bill for $50,000 when all was said and done. And you know, when you don't really have any money in the bank, that's everything. Um, that's everything. When I started calling Bergdorf's and Barney's and Bendel's, no one was calling me back. And then I started to really panic. Once again, Maureen took her fate into her own hands. I left a message for Henry Bendel's saying that Bergdorf's, a little bit of a white lie, saying that Bergdorf's was going to be signing us, but that I really wanted to launch in Bendel's. And if they 
would please just let me show them the product. I knew that they would love it. And lo and behold, they called me back that day. Tarte officially hit shelves in Henry Bendel's in 2000 at a press breakfast. Magazines were at that press breakfast, and then I got into magazines. TikTok didn't exist. YouTube didn't exist. Facebook didn't exist. Magazines were the influencers of the day. And so I had stores across the country calling me to launch the product. Soon after, Maureen's mighty little company made Oprah's O-List and launched in Sephora, which has now carried the brand for two decades. Maureen credits her customers, who she calls Tartlets, for the strong foundation. We had a blog on Tart.com called Tart Talk because I wanted to hear from them. What are you liking? But also more importantly, what aren't you liking? I love them. They are how I am sitting here today and how Tart has grown and become what it is. In 2014, Tart was acquired by a parent company, Kose, allowing them to go global in stores across 23 countries worldwide. Do you look at what you've achieved and say, wow? This is a wow moment, right? The Oprah thing was a wow moment. There's lots of times in between, so much time in between. I never stop and feel like that, but I do feel very blessed. I feel very lucky. So, yeah. Oh, so with, with tears in your eyes and now a flourishing bank account, what advice do you have for other entrepreneurs who feel like they have no money, but this big idea and really want to do it? I say, go for it. Follow your dreams. I wasn't a makeup artist. I had no business experience. Tarte almost went out of business three separate times because I couldn't make payroll, but I did it. And you can do it too. So here's another cool part about this. Maureen is now paying it forward through her Heart to Tart from nonprofit, which ran a Tart Loves Teachers campaign this fall to try to get supplies yeah. uh, for teachers in classrooms. Maureen says, after our story, that effort went viral. So thanks to all of you who watched it the first time and decided to chip in. And Maureen says she's launching a juicy new foundation in the new mm-hmm. year. So stay tuned. I for do that. love her products. Yeah, I mean, I use stuff. the concealer, the all lipstick, the, the eyeshadow. Yeah. I love it. Um, Same here, girl. Same here. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> All right, up next in Food for Thought, a growing trend across the country that borrows from an old Asian tradition. We'll show you the fun and food at the biggest night market in the U.S. That's right after this. Is that how we talk, though? Uh-huh. Like, do I say, ooh, girl? That's how I hear you. That's how I hear you. <laughs> hey, girl. That's how I hear you. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. 
We are back with our series, Food for Thought, and a look at a part of Asian culture that's on the rise here in the U.S. Yeah, night markets are all about fun, friends, and most importantly, food. And they're popping up in cities everywhere, New York, Chicago, Philadelphia, Portland. But the biggest one is in Los Angeles. And our pal Jacob Sobroff recently took us inside. People love food, so food is such a unifier of all cultures and all people. The 626 Night Market in Los Angeles is a melting pot of Asian dishes. We have our barbecue squid. Um, We make a pork belly bun, which is a Taiwanese street food. General Manager Patricia Wong says the 626 Night Market has been a runaway success since it started in 2012. In Asia, the night markets are a really big part of the nightlife. With family, with friends, you shop, eat, shop, eat. And now everyone wants to join the party. Every year, it was just like, wow, we just hit 50,000 people. Wow, we just hit 60, we just hit 100,000 people. And so the growth is pretty organic. In Los Angeles, the event takes up an entire racetrack. Other markets in New York, Portland, Philadelphia, and Chicago also modeled their events after the famous night markets in Taiwan. I'm Taiwanese, so this is kind of like uh, very nostalgic for me. David Pan's Bobaful tent churns out hundreds of cups of boba tea each night. Many vendors, like artisan noodle chef Robert Lee, whose bang bang noodles often have the longest lines, make their living as full-time pop-ups. I started bang bang noodles as a street food um, experience. So I need to bang it so it kind of gives me a better uh, textured noodle. I wanted to figure out some kind of food that would bring community together. Social media put the markets on the map and continues to be a huge driver of crowds. It's going to be my first time trying Wagyu beef, so I thought I'd post about it. Over time, we started to have more of Instagrammable foods, of creative foods, and that was uh, a trend that was happening. Social media can make and break a vendor when they first debut at the night market. Anthony and Larissa use garlic bread. This is a recipe Anthony tried in Taiwan. Your order is ready. And it's one of the first things you smell at the market. They made a TikTok for us on our very first weekends. Um, we didn't really expect much out of it, but it blew up instantly. Some vendors use the event as a test market for fusion foods, like ramen burgers, poke nachos, shrimp sliders, and mochi malasadas. So it's going to be uh, the traditional Chinese buns. So instead, the insides are going to be pizza filling. And for new ideas, like bauza. We have like barbecue chicken, pepperoni, margarita, Italian sausage. And you can either get it the traditionally steamed version, or we actually deep fry them. Number 30, 31, 34, 35. And other vendors like Esther Kang, whose entire family brings the Lucky Ball Korean barbecue to the market, stick to the tried and true recipes from their grandmas. My grandmother was a big um, cook in Korea. Like she loved cooking for the whole neighborhood. All our items here are uh, homemade recipes. Patricia says the markets have become a post-pandemic staple of community and a buffer against recent upticks of anti-Asian crime and sentiment. No matter what is happening politically, we will still celebrate our culture, celebrate our food, and for all of us to get together and still celebrate life. So after after Jacob's story first aired, mm-hmm. the general manager told us everyone oh, yeah. wanted to know when the next night market was and where vendors could get a booth. That's so cool. for anyone who's wondering, the next mega 626 night markets 
We're going to start up again in the summer in both northern and southern California locations. We do a lot of good on this show. Right. Like you, we're moving the needle. Yeah, we'll be right back with more good. Yeah. Well, that's going to do it for us on this Wednesday. Coming up tomorrow on the third hour, a look at the future of construction with 3D printed homes. Mm. Hoda and Jenna is coming up next. Have a great day, everybody. Bye-bye. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.